All right, well, take your Bible, if you would, at this time, and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 18. And this is the, this is the text for this particular uh, message, but I want to uh, give you a few other verses uh, before we get into the message um, regarding my, co- my, my, my heart in this series that we're going to be starting uh, tonight call, called All In, and um, Acts chapter number 18, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 to start with, and then like I said, we'll uh, take a brief uh, hiatus from this as we uh, look at the, the reasoning behind this series and then get back into this passage. Acts 18, and if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3, the Word of God says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. Because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And uh, let's pray together one more time. Lord, thank you for the service thus far and for the joy that it is to be in the house of the Lord with these, my brothers and sisters. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would uh, bless this time uh, in your word, that you would speak to our hearts and again, help us to be doers and not hearers only. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So tonight we are starting a new series entitled All In. And it's going to be a survey of many of the dedicated believers in the New Testament. We're not going to probably look at every single one of them, but we do want to highlight many of them that, that, that God and, and, and the Holy Spirit highlighted, in particularly the book of Acts um, and, and other places as well. But um, Aquila and Priscilla are ones that we are going to focus in on first uh, tonight. But uh, the, the reason I want to do this is because... Uh, these individuals who, who are highlighted and we're going to be looking at and surveying throughout this series are people who were all in in the Christian life and in their relationship with God and in serving the Lord. And, you know, God, as He looks at us, desires that we too would be all in in our relationship with Him, number one. And then when it comes to serving the Lord and uh, being engaged and faithful, He wants us to be all in, not just you know, halfway. I was thinking back to when I was, I want to say probably in fifth or sixth grade, um, my friends and I, we went to the uh, city pool. It was Eastside Pool in Lancaster. And they had a, a low dive and they had the high dive. And I could go off of the low dive all day long, no problem. Now, it wasn't pretty. I didn't have any sweet dives or anything like that. I would just jump. My friends all went off the high dive, and they were encouraging me to try to go off the high dive. But I don't like drops. I don't like that feeling on roller coasters when you're going down the big hill and your stomach goes up to your throat. I can't do that. Is there anybody else like like that who do not like drops? Thank you. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Well, I knew that when I jump off the high dive, I'm going to get that feeling. I didn't get that feeling off the low dive because you're just like almost there. It's like from here down to the floor. It's no big deal. 
But when you're off the high dive, uh, it's, it's like jumping off of that, that, that ledge up there into the water. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Well, they, they finally convinced me to go to, to, to climb the ladder to get off, to, to go on this high dive. And, and so I get up there and I'm like, wow, there is a lot of steps to the ladder here <laughs> to get up to the top of this thing. And I finally get up there and I, and I kind of walk to the edge and I'm, at, and I'm at the edge and I'm looking down and the water is like forever down there. I'm thinking, I don't know that I can do this. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I think, you know what, forget this. I'm going to go back. And as soon as I turned around to go back down the ladder, I noticed that there was a very long line of people climbing up the ladder waiting for me to jump. I'm like, uh... So I'm literally, like, this is, as awkward as this sounds, it really was this awkward. I'm having this battle in my mind, and, and pretty soon, like, everybody's playing and splashing in the pool, you know, but then pretty soon, everybody stops what they're doing, and they're looking at this guy on the high dive who's paralyzed, who's not, who, who won't jump. He can't go down because there's this huge line behind him. And, and I'm looking behind, like, would you guys move? And they're like, would you please jump? I'm like, but I, have you seen how high this is? And I'm, I'm just kind of like teetering back and forth, kind of looking back and going, well, I don't, I don't know. And, and again, like everybody stopped what they were doing, and we were, they were starting to literally cheer for me to jump. <laughs> like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, the whole pool has stopped what they're doing to encourage me to jump. Like, jump, Eric, you'll, do, you'll be fine, you'll be all right. Come on, it's not that high. And I'm like, yes, it is. Look how high this is. And, and I just stood there for, and I, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to do this because I can't go back down there, and that's the only way out of this. And I stood there for probably a good minute or two, which, you know, when people are waiting to jump, they want you to jump and so that they can go and do their sweet little whatever tricks they were going to do from the high dive. Well, I finally, I finally jumped. And yeah, that thing went up to my throat. I didn't like it. I'm like, okay, that's enough of that. I don't want to do that again. But at some point, I had to be all in in order to get off that high dive. Okay, The Lord is looking for us to take that step to be all in for His glory. Okay, Here's, here's some references for us tonight. Um, Moses uh, in Exodus 20, 30, in verse 26, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves unto him. He was saying, Who will jump off the high dive and be all in? Who is on the Lord's side? And so the encouragement for us tonight is to be all in for the Lord's sake. Don't just be half-hearted. Uh, half-hearted Christianity always comes up 50% short. Uh, Matthew 12 and verse number 30, He that is not with me, Jesus said, is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. See, he's looking for people who would be all in and would say, I'm with you, Lord. Or, Come what may, I'm with you. And Matthew 22, verse 37, let me ask you if this uh, encourages us to be all in. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with 
all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. See, the Lord's not looking for us to be half-hearted in our affection, in our love, in our loyalty to him. No, he's looking for us to be all in. Luke 16, verse 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. He's looking for Christians who are all in who are willing to be all in in their relationship with Him, be all in in their service for Him and their commitment to Him, and in their uh, involvement in trying to get the gospel out. He's looking for people who are all in, not just mostly in. Um, so tonight, my question is, are you all in? And if not, I hope that by the end of the night, you'll decide, I'm going to be all in for Jesus. I'm not going to be half in. I'm not going to be mostly in. I'm not going to be 99% in. I'm going to be all 100% in. Now, tonight we are going to focus on this couple named Aquila and Priscilla, this married couple who I believe were all in when it came to their relationship with God and in their service for the Lord. And so with that, let's go ahead and jump in and find out why I believe they were all in. First of all, as we uh, look here in the scriptures, we're going to find that they served the Lord together. They served the Lord together. Every time we see this couple mentioned in the scripture, we see them mentioned together. It's not that we just see Aquila mentioned or Priscilla mentioned. We see Aquila and Priscilla uh, mentioned together. And, and this is for those who are married here today. Uh, if you are married, praise the Lord for a wonderful a blessing called a spouse. Uh, but there are many couples who one is very faithful and involved in the ministry and in the, their relationship with God. The other one's a little bit maybe not as all in. Well, Aquila and Priscilla, they were all in together. Because again, every time you see them mentioned in Scripture, you see them mentioned together. They are, they are one. Um, and this is, of course, an encouragement for married couples to uh, be serving the Lord together. Um, Acts 3, and or I'm sorry, Acts 8 and verse 3, he was uh, of the same craft and he abode with them. And uh, so they are mentioned together in, in verse number 2 as well. They're mentioned together. Um, then you go down in chapter 18 and verse number 18. It says, Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while, then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and having with him Priscilla and Aquila. So here they're mentioned again, but they're mentioned together. And then uh, we go down to verse number uh, 19. It says, and he came to Ephesus and left them there. He's uh, talking about Aquila and Priscilla, this couple. He left them there, so they stayed together in Ephesus. And then we go down to uh, chapter, I'm sorry, same chapter, verse 22. And he, when he had landed at Caesarea, had gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed, went over to all the country of Galatia and Perga in order, strengthening all the disciples. I'm sorry, I, I meant to keep going here. Verse 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. The man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And notice verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. 
So Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned again together. And I'm going to give you a few other references. It says uh, in Romans 16, verse 3, Paul says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. So they're mentioned together. uh, And they were, um, in this particular mentioning, they were mentioned as being helpers in Christ Jesus. They were serving the Lord together. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 is another reference. The churches of Asia salute you, Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. 2 Timothy 4.19, salute Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anisiphorus. So they're again mentioned together. See, so serving the Lord was not a his thing. It wasn't just an Aquila thing. And Priscilla was home doing her own thing. It was something that they did together. Uh, Now, obviously, it doesn't say anything about their children and the situation they had there. It could be that they were a little older and children were out of the house by that time. Uh, But this was not just a his his thing or her thing. It was a together thing. And uh, I appreciate in my life, uh, my wife, who doesn't just says, okay, Eric, you go and serve the Lord and I'll stay it's something that we do together and i'm telling you the um the joy that we've been able and and the experiences we've been able to have as we've served the lord together as a married couple it's not just me coming home and sharing with her it's us experiencing them together and it has solidified and bonded us together in something in a way that i don't know that any other thing could do and be as effective um, so I believe that couples that serve the Lord together stay together. And even yesterday, we were out door knocking together and getting to experience the ups and downs with that. And, you know, it's just a joy to be able to serve the Lord together as a married couple. And for those who have children, again, this isn't, shouldn't just be a mom and dad thing. It, I believe, should be an all the family thing. Uh, that we're one unit and we're going to serve the Lord together. And, and, and this shows that, that Aquila and Priscilla, they were all in. It wasn't just, you know, hey, we, we're, we support you, Paul, as you do your work. It was like, Paul, what can we do to help in the work? And so they were extremely involved and they served the Lord together. Um, I, I remember a, a man uh, that was in a church, not, not here, in a different church that I was a part of, he was heavily involved in the bus ministry and very, very effective in it and loved the bus children and, and poured a lot of time and energy into that ministry. But his, his wife was not involved in that, and he tried to get his kids in it, and they weren't really wanting anything to be a part of it. And I've often thought, you know, I, I wish that he would try to do what he could to get the whole family involved. And he had such a passion for that ministry. And I, I wish he would have really tried to instill that in his, in his family to where it wasn't just a his thing, because it really was a his thing. But here, when we look at Aquila and Priscilla in, in the New Testament, it wasn't just one or the other. It was both of them that they were willing to serve the Lord together. And again, encouragement for all of us. If we're going to be all in, we're going to need to serve the Lord together as married couples, as families, and not just uh, letting everybody else um, 
my, me do my thing and you do your thing. We, we, we serve the Lord together. Now, it may not, obviously, we're going to all have different spiritual gifts and, and abilities and, and, and strengths and weaknesses and all of that. And, and, and we can't maybe do the same exact thing, but we can absolutely serve the Lord together. So uh, they were all in, Aquila and Priscilla. How do we know that? Well, they serve the Lord together. Number two, I believe they were all in because they practice hospitality joyfully. They practice hospitality joyfully. In verse number three of Acts chapter 18, it says, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them. So the Apostle Paul came to Corinth, and he met this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, and I imagine that they struck up a conversation and a relationship because they both were tent makers. And so I imagine um, they may, he maybe saw them uh, making some tents outside their home, and he's like, hey, oh, it looks like you're making some tents. I'm a tent maker too. So where do you, you know, how big do you make your tents? And, and uh, what, where do you get your fabric? And what do you use to tie it all together? And, and what stakes do you offer with your, with your tents? And, and, you know, they, they were probably just talking shop. And it just kind of led to one thing after another. And pretty soon they said, hey, well, if you don't have a place to stay, why don't you plan to stay with us? And verse number three says, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for they, for by their occupation, they were tent makers and they were willing to open their home to the apostle Paul. And, and can you, can you imagine the privilege that was? And maybe them not even realizing what a tremendous honor that was to have the Apostle Paul stay with you for a, a season. Um, but they, they did. They let him stay with them, and they were willing to open their home and use their home and practice hospitality joyfully. But that wasn't the only time that they did this. And this is why I believe that they were all in, because this was a continual pattern in their life where they just opened their homes to whatever the Lord had. They were basically like, hey, if the Lord hath need of this, I'm willing to give it. Uh, if you go to verse number five, and it says, um, it says, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 16. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse number three. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And then if you go to verse five in that same chapter, it says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So back in those days, it wasn't like they can go to 424 East Main Street and have a nice building to meet in and assemble together. The way they did it back in those days was people would open their homes, and that's where the believers would gather together and meet together on the Lord's Day. And Aquila and Priscilla were ones who not only opened their home to the Apostle Paul, but they ended up opening their homes to the churches and letting the churches assemble in their home. And I'm sure they had fine china set up, and I'm sure they had all kinds of nice things. They didn't want the kids getting all their sticky fingers all over and their snotty noses everywhere. But they were still willing to open their homes for the church. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 is another reference. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So again, I believe it was at least two churches met in their houses as they traveled around, Aquila and Priscilla did. And when they landed and they said, hey, if you need, my, if you need our home, 
whatever you need, I, we're making that available. We'd love for you to meet in our home for the Lord's sake. And how, how do we know they were all in? Because they practiced hospitality joyfully. They didn't, I'm sure they, was, they weren't like, I guess we've got to open our home again. I think it was something they enjoyed doing. I think it was something they really wanted to do and said, hey, if you don't have a place to meet, we'd love for you to meet in our, in our house. Now, Romans 12 and verse 13 is an encouragement for all of us. Uh, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Now, we know that uh, a pastor, uh, one of the biblical requirements of a pastor is that he needs to be uh, one who is hospitable. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2, a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. He needs to be vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. So one of the, again, the biblical requirements of a pastor is that he and his family would be willing to open their homes and and to do what they could to take care of uh, those around them. And um, we have tried to do that. Uh, Titus 1 and verse number 8, again, this is in the biblical requirements of a pastor. He says he needs to be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy. So pastors are be Pastors are to be given to hospitality. And uh, I try to be, I think my wife is given to hospitality a lot more than I am, to be honest. I think she enjoys having people over a little bit more than I do, and I enjoy having people over. Okay, so if you've ever come over to our house, we wanted you to come, I wanted you to come, but, but she wants you to come even more than I did, because uh, she is a lot more into that than I am, but I've had to grow in that. You say, well, yeah, you pastor, you need to be given to hospitality. And I would say amen to that. I do, as a pastor. But wait a minute, there's a couple other verses in the Bible, a couple other verses in the New Testament, not just to pastors, but to all believers. 1 Peter 4, 9 Here, Peter says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. So it's not just for me, because I'm a pastor, but it's for you too, if you're a believer. You are to use hospitality one to another without grudging. So, we have to have people over. That's grudging. So we're to have hospitality without grudging. We're to do it joyfully. Um, my wife tried to help me with this when we were in California, and I've shared this before, but just to, for those who haven't heard, when we were in California, we lived in an association. We are currently, again, in an association. We have a homeowners association, which I would love to not have one at some point, but uh, there's some pros and cons with it all. Um, but when we were in California, we were part of a homeowners association. There were 16 homes in this association. It was a small uh, small association, and there was some things going on with the uh, the leadership in the association, and and uh, there was a desire that uh, there would be a new president of the association. And my wife was talking to one of the other neighbors, and they thought, well, Eric is a, an assistant pastor to church. I think he would make an outstanding president of the association. I'm like, Julie, would you please not say that, okay? Please do not volunteer me for that stuff. I don't want to be a president of any association. 
I like just being in the association and, and just doing my own thing. Well, she said, Eric, I really think that this could be a great way for the Lord to use us in our neighborhood to make a difference for the Lord's, for the Lord's sake. I think if we have the association meetings at our house and they're going to see the scripture on the wall and they're going to see how we conduct our lives and our family, they're going to just all fall down and say, what must I do to be saved? I, she didn't really say that, but that was kind of her sales pitch, so to speak. Um, so I reluctantly agreed and I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe the Lord will use this. And, you know, I, I mean, I just want to do my civic duty, that type of thing. So I ended up agreeing to put my name on the ballot and I got voted in. I thought, okay, well, now I'm the president. Oh, this is going to be pretty great. You know, we're going to have people come over to our house and they're going to just see everything. Well, a couple meetings into my presidency... Uh, we had uh, voted, I think, at the meeting before to cut down some trees that were becoming a danger. So we cut down some trees, and, and we did that. And then um, we were having a review of what had happened since the last meeting. And I said, yeah, we, we cut down some trees. And I think we, that was really great. And one of the uh, neighbors that was there, who that was the only time she ever appeared at any of the meetings, she said, I don't think it's all that great. That was a tree that meant so much to my grandchildren. So do you want to know how to be saved? I mean, have you seen the verse on the wall? I mean, don't you see the difference in our lives? Aren't we making a great difference? She didn't want to hear any of that stuff. She was upset that we cut down her grandchildren's favorite tree. Whoops. So it didn't quite exactly go the way my wife had envisioned it. And uh, so now I'm definitely not wanting to put my name in the hat when uh, our association is looking for new, new, uh, new leadership. Uh, but we have been blessed to open our home to other believers and have been encouraged. And uh, hopefully we've tried to be an encouragement as well. Uh, but we have had uh, throughout the years many wonderful believers and many of you are part of that. Uh, who've gotten to come to our house. And, and, and you just don't know the, the type of relationships that you might build in that scenario, in that scenario. Um, so here in verse number, or sorry, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number two, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. So you never know when you might have somebody stay with you who may end up becoming an angel. They, they seem strange, but they might actually be angels unawares. So you just never know what kind of relationships you might build because what Aquila and Priscilla did in Acts chapter 18 and verse number 3, when they allowed the Apostle Paul to meet with them and stay with them, it ended up changing their entire life. And now the Apostle Paul calls them helpers in Christ and co-labors in the ministry. And it all started because they were willing to open their home to this brother. So I would encourage all of us to practice hospitality joyfully. Thirdly, not only do we know that they were all in because they served the Lord together and they practiced hospitality joyfully, but thirdly, they were spiritually mature. They were spiritually mature. And going back to Acts 18 and verse 24, 
So they're still they're in Ephesus at this point. They were willing to follow the Apostle Paul to Ephesus. I mean, they were living in Corinth for a while, but then they ended up going with the Apostle Paul to Ephesus. And then they, they were left there in Ephesus. And then verse number 24, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla heard, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now, as they were listening to Apollos preach, uh, the Bible tells us, um, in verse number 25, he was fervent in the spirit. So he didn't just get up and talk about the things of God in a very monotone, boring way. No, he was excited. He was fervent in the spirit. He had conviction. He was passionate. He preached and he ranted and raved and, and went on and on. And as, as, as he was preaching, Quill and Priscilla weren't going Wow, did you hear that guy preach? They, they thought, okay, well, the things that he's saying, there, there's something not quite right there. And, and they were spiritually discerning enough to, to kind of call a timeout and said, whoa, there, there's some things here that aren't quite right. And, and they, got, they, they were spiritually mature to the point where they noticed and they caught spiritual, or, or I'm sorry, doctrinal error. Are you that spiritually mature to where you can catch doctrinal error? I hope that we're grounded in, in truth enough to when someone, if someone says something from the pulpit or on the radio or uh, at work or whatever you're at and, and says something that is, doesn't line up with the Bible, it, it catches your attention and raises some major red flags. And that's what happened with Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, they weren't just swayed by the uh, the, the charismatic nature that he had as far as being so good preaching and, and he was fervent and he was uh, just so good at talking and uh, they, they weren't just swayed by that. They were spiritually mature and grounded in the truth to say, well, we're going to listen to what he's actually saying. Now, as believers, we are encouraged to be spiritually mature. Second Peter in, verse three, in chapter 3 and verse number 18, the very last words of uh, Peter, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So Aquila and Priscilla had grown in grace and they had grown in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to where, to where when, when Apollos, who is just waxing eloquent and preaching loudly and passionately, they're, they're like, whoa. I appreciate your passion there, Apollos, but there's something not quite right with what you're saying. They had gotten spiritually mature to where they were able to catch those things. Colossians 2 and verse number 7 is an encouragement for us to be rooted in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 7, it says, Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. We're to be rooted and, and have deep roots in the Lord so that we're not swayed. Uh, if there's a tree, 
um, that doesn't have good root, a good root system here in Oklahoma, when those storms come through, good luck. That, 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 that tree is going to be uprooted. Um, and, and likewise, when, when you and I don't have deep roots spiritually and, and we're not rooted deeply in Christ, when the storms of life come or when you hear something that, that may go against the Bible just slightly, it, it, it makes you topple over. We need to be rooted in Christ. To the Ephesians, um, Paul said in verse number 17 of chapter 3, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. So there, there's, there's this idea of being spiritually mature, where we're grounded and, and, and rooted in, in the Lord. Ephesians 4 and verse number 13, it says, Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto, the, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine." by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. See, we should get, grow to the point where we're not being tossed to and fro from one doctrine to another, that we're just firmly grounded and, 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 and established in the truth. And I believe that Aquila and Priscilla were spiritually mature. So when Apollos came on the scene in Acts chapter 18, they weren't, wow, that guy can really speak well. He was, he was so eloquent. And he was so passionate and fervent in the spirit. Um, and he was mighty in the scriptures, yes, but there were some things that were off, and they were able to catch that. They were spiritually mature. If we're going to be all in, we've got to get to the point where we're also spiritually mature, where we're grounded in the truth. We're not just excited, but that we know the truth. We know the truth. Fourthly, how do we know that they were all in? They were also willing to teach others. They were willing to teach others. So here in Acts 18, as they catch some things that Apollos are say, is saying, and, and it's like, eh, they're not quite right. So what did they do? Well, they could have gone home to criticize. They could have gone home and had roast Apollos. We talked about roast preacher. I think it was last Sunday morning. And I hope that you all have removed that from your, your diet and your menu. Um, but... They could have done that. They could have gone home and said, you know, Apollos, you know, he was pretty passionate, but you know what? He was pretty off on what he was saying there. And, uh, you know, it's too bad because he could be used of the Lord greatly. You know what? They could, have, they could have just spent their time criticizing and talking about him. But you know what they did? They went and took the next level, and they went and talked to him. And they said, let me go. Let's go and talk to him and, and help him understand what he's missing here. And so verse 26 of Acts 18, um, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. They were willing to teach him. They were willing to say, hey, Apollos, you're a little off on this, and, and here's, here, here's, where, here's what you're missing. And, and I appreciate Apollos' humility in being willing to listen, because it does take a humility to listen when somebody approaches you like that. Uh, but they were willing also to go to him. 
instead of going around to talk to everybody else and say, hey, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? And let's, let's form a committee to try to overthrow Apollos. No, they didn't do that. They said, Apollos is one passionate young man, and he seems to know the Word of God, but, but, but there are some things that I think he could, um, he, he needs a different perspective here. So they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. They helped him uh, tremendously in this moment. And, and it was a two-way street because, again, Paulus had to receive it, but they had to be willing to go to him, or otherwise he wouldn't have had an opportunity to receive it. So they went to him, and guess what ended up happening? Apollos went on to be very instrumental in the church of Corinth to where he was then very instrumental in leading many people to Christ. And remember, there was that division going on in the church at Corinth where some said, oh, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas. And so there was all these people saying, well, well, Peter led me to the Lord. And somebody would say, well, yeah, well, Apollos led me to the Lord, and he's a better preacher than all the other guys combined. And, and then some would say, well, the Apostle Paul himself led me to the Lord. And, and they were kind of having the division there. Um, and that's not the point of what I'm trying to say is, Apollos was very instrumental. And I think he can go back and thank Aquila and Priscilla for approaching them, or for approaching him. Instead of just talking about him, they went and talked to him. And so they were all in. It wasn't like, oh, we're just going to go home and criticize the message after the message. No, they're going to go and say, hey, there's some things that uh, maybe, maybe he was off on, and, and I'm going to go talk to him. And, I, and, and why am I saying this? Am I, am I just saying, well, come talk to me if I'm off on something? Absolutely. If I'm off on something, don't just, don't just talk about it. Come talk to me and help me grow. And uh, Lord, help me to be humble enough to receive it like Apollos was. But, but, but be willing to teach others. And, and they got to the point where they weren't just listening and hearing. They were also doing some teaching themselves by talking to Apollos. And, and my goal is that everybody in our church, now whether you end up teaching a class or not is not the issue. It's where you can get to the point where you can start impacting others and teaching others the truth, whether it's in your family, whether it's just one-on-one, -on -one, or whether it is in a class. Uh, the, the Hebrew Christians in Hebrews chapter 5 were guilty of, of not getting to that point of spiritual maturity to where they could teach. In Hebrews chapter number 5, let's turn over there very quickly, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 11. Hebrews 5, 11. He said in, in this, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe." Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the writer of Hebrews is chiding these Christian, these Hebrew Christians and saying, look, I, there's a lot of things that, I, that are hard to, for you to grasp, and, and I want to share them with you, but I just can't. You're, you're, and by the way, uh, when you read through the book of Hebrews, there, there, are some, there are some difficult passages in here, and... Even, even for those of us who've been saved for a while, these, some of these are difficult. Um, so 
Imagine if they were spiritually mature, what the content of Hebrews would have been. Uh, but he said, look, the, the, time sh- the, the time that you've been saved, you should be teachers by now. You should be spiritually mature and, and t- teaching others these truths. But you're still kind of sitting there needing the ABCs of the Christian life. Again, like, let's, let's grow up. Let's mature. Let's... Let's get to the point where we can move on from this, from the ABCs, the basics of the Christian life, and move on to some other things. That's what the writer of Hebrews was saying. And, and I believe Aquila and Priscilla had grown to the point where they had moved on from the ABCs of the Christian life and were able then to start teaching others. And they were willing to teach Apollos. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And verse number two tells us, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So here at our church, I ought not to be the only one teaching the truth. There ought to be a whole bunch of people here at Cornerstone Baptist Church who are to the point where they can start teaching others. Uh, one of the things that I'm supposed to do is teach you and to commit to you so that you can... So, well, here's what Paul was saying to Timothy. I'm committing you you to things that you now need to teach others so that they can teach others also. And just keep the the teaching thing going, and and, and it just needs to keep passing from one to another. So I need to teach you so that you can then teach somebody else. And we all need to be finding somebody that we can teach. So whether it's at home with our children, whether it's here at church in a class, or whether it's just one-on-one, uh, where you're trying to minister to somebody in the church at lunch or uh, over coffee or something of that nature. We need to be teaching others. Titus chapter number 2, uh, Paul gives Titus an encouragement for the church that the, the older and the, the older men and the older women ought to be teaching the younger men and the younger women. And You say, well, I don't want to consider myself an old man or an old lady. That's fine. You don't have to consider yourself. It's not necessarily talking about age as much as it is about spiritual maturity. But we all need to get to the point where we're starting to invest in others, and especially as we grow older. Um, That needs to be our our, our major emphasis. Um, We were talking, I was talking to a friend of mine from California about this concept, and he said, you know, our ministry has kind of, Changed because you we used to be kind of on the front lines doing everything, all the different you know ministry and 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 you know we had the energy to do all that, but now maybe we don't have quite the energy we used to have, but we can sure uh, we can sure invest in those who have that type of energy and encourage them and it's and it's like it's like those who are involved in football football season week one started in the NFL. This week, and there are many who were who were on the field at one point, and they were in the action. But but maybe now that that time in their life is is over, and and maybe now they're on the sideline and they're not able to be on the field, although they wish they were in their mind. They they're like let me let me back in there, but they know their body can't quite uh, perform the way it used to. So now they have to realize they have a different role, and their role is to now try to coach and influence those who are on the field and to encourage them and help them. And, and for those here tonight who used to do things, who used to be extremely involved in the ministry, you may not be able to be as involved as you used to be, but 
but boy, you can sure encourage those who are. You can sure uh, coach and, and, and help those who are on the field, and that could be now your new ministry. And so we need to be willing to teach others. And uh, ladies, you need to teach these younger women as they're having families now what it means to love their children and to minister to their husbands and what it means to do that. And, 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 and older men are encouraged to teach the young men to be sober-minded and to be faithful and, and those type of things. We need to be willing to teach others. And that's, if we're going to be all in, we're going to be willing to need to be willing to do that. Number five, let me wrap it up with this thought here. They risk their lives for the Lord's sake. How do we know that Aquila and Priscilla were all in? Because the Apostle Paul said they risked their lives for the Lord's sake. Turn in your Bible to Romans chapter number 16 and then also Acts 19. We'll look at Romans first and then we'll go to Acts 19. So Romans 16. And then we'll go to Acts 19. Romans 16, verse number 3. Here, this is the ending of the book of Romans, of course, and, and he is saluting so many different individuals who were such a blessing to the Apostle Paul. And he starts uh, with Phoebe here. Um, and, and, and this letter, I think, was sent by Phoebe. Um, but then the first people that he really wants to greet is Priscilla and Aquila, this couple that, again, we're all in for the Lord's sake. So greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And notice verse number four, who have for my life laid down their own necks unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So they said, he said, look, there was a moment in time when they, they put their lives on the line so that my life would be protected. And we're going to read a little bit about what I believe, and I'm pretty sure this is the instance that he was referring to in Acts chapter number 19, Acts 19. Because likely what Paul was referring to was the Ephesus riot that took place in Acts 19. So the gospel was going forth in Ephesus. Many people were getting saved. But in Ephesus, there was the, uh, the shrine of Diana. And this, this, this shrine, people made buku bucks. Their, their business was creating little trinkets and, and little sh shrines that people would purchase and take home and, and worship these little trinkets that they would purchase. So it'd be kind of equivalent to the little Buddhas that people make. And people go and have Buddhas all around their house. I hope you don't have a Buddha in your house. Um, but they had, uh, that's what people did to make money in Ephesus. And people would come all from all over and worship Diana. And they would, uh, they would buy these little trinkets, these little silver shrines for Diana. And if we pick it up in uh, verse number 24, it says, A certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen. So he was kind of an independent contractor, but he had to pay um, to be a part of this craft. And so he, he made bank. He, he, he raked it in. And so he brought a bunch of money that 
went to the craftsmen. Okay, well, verse 25, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation. So he gathered this union meeting, right? And uh, said, sirs, we know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, as you see and hear that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying they be no gods, which are made with hands. So Paul is preaching the gospel, saying you don't need to worship these silver shrines. You need to serve and worship the, uh, the living God, which, you know, verse 26 seems like a compliment to me, but to the man Demetrius, this was not a compliment. This was threatening their livelihood. Okay, so verse 27, so that not only this, our craft is in danger to be set at naught, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And verse 29, And the whole city was filled with confusion, and having caught Gaius and Aristocharius, men of Macedonia, Paul's companion in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And then notice verse 30, And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring that he would not adventure himself into the theater. Some therefore cried one thing and some another, for the assembly was confused, and the more part they knew not, wherefore they were come together. And they drew Alexander out of the multitude, and Jews putting him forward. And Alexander beckoned with the hand and would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice about the space of two hours cried out, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And uh, here, if the, um, these people could cry out for two hours, great is, the Diana, great is Diana of the Ephesians, I think we could hang with a 90-minute service. Um, if they could do it for 120 minutes, and the only thing going on in the service is people crying out, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Okay. Anyway, well, during this whole thing, evidently, um, Aquila and Priscilla were part were there. They were present in this situation. And I believe they may be ones who in verse number 29, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 30, the disciples suffered him not. I wonder if he was referring to Aquila and Priscilla in that moment, that that's who the ones who said, oh, Paul, I, I wouldn't go in there, um, please, for your own sake. Um, I, I believe that he was referring to what took place in Acts chapter 19 as he was thinking about Aquila and Priscilla when he said that they have laid down their own necks for my sake. So my question is, are you willing to risk your life for the Lord's sake? Well, I don't know that anyone would want to necessarily sign a sign-up sheet, sign up for, for that. You know, hey, we're going to have like, you know, lay down your life for the Lord's sake. We're going to pass it around. I don't know that anybody would want to necessarily put their name there, but, but all of us should be willing to. All of us should be willing to give our lives for him because he gave his life for us, so no sacrifice is too great to make for him. And, you know, with the whole COVID thing and some of the, some of the ramifications of churches that decided that they were going to still meet uh, and the government's oppression in some of those situations, 
may, you know, cause me to think that could be coming at some point. Now, I hope it won't. I hope that none of us will have to face that type of situation. But, hey, if we're all in, we're going to be willing to risk our lives for the Lord's sake. But if we're not all in, then we're going to be like, okay, no, 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 like, like Peter was. Peter said he was all in, but when it came down to it, he wasn't all in. Because, hey, do you know the Lord? No, I don't. Uh, yeah, 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 you do. I, I think I saw you with him. No, I, I, I don't know him. Yeah, I mean, you're, you, yeah, I've seen you with him, and you, you, you talk like him. And then blankety blank, 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 no, I don't know him. I thought you were all in, Peter. Well, I thought so too, but I guess I'm not, because he wasn't willing to risk his life for the Lord's sake. In Acts chapter 15, verse 26, there's a statement that says, Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we willing to hazard our lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? I, again, I hope the answer is yes. I hope that all of us would be willing to risk our lives for the Lord's sake. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Life or death, I belong to you. Apostle Paul was that way. He said, whether I live or die, it doesn't matter. I'm the Lord's. Are we that way? Well, no doubt about it, Aquila and Priscilla were all in. They, they showed that they were all in because they served the Lord together. It wasn't a his thing, his thing. Or a her thing, it was a together thing. They, they were all in and they showed it by practicing hospitality joyfully. They were willing to, whatever the Lord needed, they were willing to give it joyfully for Him. They, they were all in because they were spiritually mature. They had grown to the point where they could catch spiritual or doctrinal error and, and, and sense that and be discerning in that, in that area. They, they were all in because we know that they were willing to teach others and influence others for the Lord. And we know they were all in because they were willing to risk their lives for the Lord's sake. So as we look at those five different marks of somebody being all in, would we be all in? Would, that, would we match up with those same qualities? Are we all in? Are we Willing to serve the Lord together with our family? Are we willing to practice hospitality joyfully? Are we willing to grow spiritually to where we can be spiritually discerning? Are we willing to teach others and influence others? And are we willing to risk our lives for the Lord's sake? I hope the answer is yes. I hope the answer is yes. Are you all in? And what will it take for you to be out? <laughs> Ah, uh, somebody wasn't very nice to me at church today, so you know what? I'm out of here. No, let's be all in. Be 100% committed. To come what may, I'm all in. I'm going to take that step off the diving board, and I'm all in. I may be a little nervous about doing so, but I'm going to go ahead and jump off. Because I couldn't, when I was at that diving board, I couldn't be like, well, that would not be pleasant if I put one foot over and one foot on. I had to be all in jumping so that it would be safe for me. Are you all in? Or is you like mostly in? I believe Aquila and Priscilla was, was a married couple who was all in. 
And I hope that all of us will decide to be all in for the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, we thank you for uh, this couple in the scriptures that are highlighted for being all in. I really believe that they were completely, totally committed. And there was never a question on where their allegiance was. It was all for you, Lord. And I pray that that would be true of everybody in this church. 